Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Drew View. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about brief history of the Whig Party for Throwback Thursday. I'm Drew Bennett, and you're listening to The Drew View. Just a few housekeeping things before I get too far into it. I just wanted to say that you guys might be seeing this episode at a little bit of a later time than normal. And you might be like, what the heck? What's going on with these upload times? They're kind of all over the place. And uh, I've just kind of been experimenting, right? Uh, different upload times will get me different a different number of listens. So I'm just kind of experimenting. So if for the next couple of episodes, you see them getting uploaded at different times, it's just because I'm trying to test out what will help my viewership the most. So I apologize if there's a little bit of inconsistency for a little while, but I will find the right time and I will have a consistent time that I will be uploading in the future, just so you know. All right. Now, I know I've been forgetting this like the past two weeks, I think this week and last week, I forgot to do it on Monday. So we're doing it on Thursday this week because I just remembered yesterday. That is the question of the day. So I'm going to be talking about the Whig Party today. Why not the question of the day be, how many presidents have we had in American history that were affiliated with the Whig Party? That is, how many presidents have we had in American history that affiliated with the Whig Party? I know this might be a tougher question. You might not get it right, but I think it'll be pretty interesting. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a history about the Whig Party in today's episode. All right, so let's get started right here with our Throwback Thursday. And as I mentioned, I'm going to be giving you guys a history about the Whig Party. So what was the Whig Party and how did they get started? So there was this thing called the Panic of 1837, and that created a big opportunity for the Whig Party. They had pretty much grown out of kind of a coalition of people's uh, John Quincy Adams, who opposed Andrew Jackson. Another interesting fact about this that I learned today when I was doing my research, did you know that John Adams and John Quincy Adams were the first two presidents in American history to only serve one term instead of two? I thought that was pretty interesting, like father, like son. Anyway, so John Quincy Adams and Henry Clay, they kind of formed this coalition and pretty much all they were dedicated to was opposing Jackson and the Democratic Party. So they had this like uh, John Quincy Adams kind of ha- had this like national Republicans is kind of what it was called. And they were a, a little bit of a loose alliance that was concentrated in the Northeast. They'd become one of the biggest anti-Jackson people. If you didn't know, Jackson was loved by many and he was very hated by many. So this coalition really hated Jackson, but this was kind of a loose coalition. However, the people who Posed Jackson, his enemies, and the people who hated what he did, they were a very varied group, so to speak. They were uh, people that supported slavery, opposed slavery. They were people who, you know, hated Jackson from the beginning, people who just recently hated Jackson. It was all sorts of different people. So they kind of had to have a solution to this. So after they failed to prevent Andrew Jackson's reelection, the National Republicans and other people like that, they took this fragile coalition and they organized as a new party in 1834 to create this Whig party. So Henry Clay, who had run against Jackson for president in during his second term and 
who's now serving as a senator in Kentucky, he was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to hold these meetings and we're going to try and persuade anti-Jackson people from all different backgrounds, all walks of life to unite together and form a party. He gave this party the name, the Whig Party, because it was anti-monarchy, basically. Um, the Whigs were a party in England that opposed the monarchy, and that's kind of where he got the name from, because he felt that Andrew Jackson was leading, and he called him uh, like King Andrew, because he was leading more like a king than a president. So when they formed in 1834, their biggest thing that they had to do was try and oppose Jackson by putting new congressmen in, because it was around a midterm uh, so to speak, like what we would call today as a midterm. It, it wasn't a presidential year, so they couldn't directly oppose him. So they did this in Congress from outside the presidency. They remained divided still because they had different regional differences, different differences in their views of slavery. They were still a little bit divided, but they were all anti-Jackson. and That was the main thing. The Democratic presidential candidate, however, in the next year, pretty much won in a landslide. So this was a really big blow to the Whigs because they were like, man, this is our chance. Jackson's out of there. Let's get a Whig in there, not another Democrat. So they put up their candidate. They lost to Andrew Jackson's vice president, Martin Van Buren, which was a big blow for them. He won very easily and became Jackson's successor in 1838. But the Whigs still gained a lot of support after this election. And then again, after the panic of 1837, what was that panic? It was basically what we would call today a recession. It was actually pretty similar to the 08 kind of uh, housing crisis and banking crisis and kind of like that situation there. So very similar to that. The Whigs gained a lot of support after that. People were kind of outraged at how that was handled. And they were like, okay, we're going to organize behind this party to oppose the Democrats. So in late 1839, they held their first national convention in Pennsylvania. This was their first time they were meeting together at a national level instead of just four different like congressional seats and things like that. So Henry Clay, who kind of put this whole thing together, he was a little bit disappointed because the convention voted to nominate General William Henry Harrison of Ohio instead of him. And he was like, what the heck, guys? I'm the one who put this whole thing together. Why not me? But it went to Henry Harrison of Ohio. He was the Whig candidate for president in 1840. He was known for being a big War of 1812 hero. He was, uh, you know, famously known for his Battle of Tippecanoe in present-day Indiana. That was a big battle that he won. And people kind of viewed him as a candidate that would get a lot of patriotic support, people who loved their country and wanted to get behind a war hero. And they you know, it's always kind of been a thing in American history with war heroes kind of becoming that uh, leader in a presidential role. I don't know where that whole thing kind of lines up, but apparently if you're a good general, they think you'll make a good president. And it worked in Washington's case, so why not? So they went with him. This also worked really well for them because William Henry Harrison was a guy who was just a common man. And they kind of used that to their advantage because Martin Van Buren, he was an Easterner and he was kind of a richer, uh, more elite kind of a guy. And so they kind of thought that they could oppose him in that way. Uh, but there was a problem. They had William Henry Harrison, who was from kind of the North, and he was not a slave owner. 
at least not to my knowledge. And they had to say, okay, well, we have a very diverse group of people that are going to be voting for us. So we have to balance that out. So they balanced it out as through picking their vice president as John Tyler, because he was a, he had formerly been a Jackson supporter, but he had broken with him over states rights and different things like that. So they put him up because he was a pro slavery guy. He would get some, gain some attraction from that group of people. So they kind of had some from both the North and the South. And that was kind of how they were going to get, uh, you know, they, that's how they were going to get the most voters. So they kind of came up with this nickname that was going to be good Tippecanoe and Tyler too, because that was like their, that was almost like their campaign slogan. It was kind of catchy. It was a nice catchphrase and it referred to William Henry Harrison's win at Tippecanoe and John Tyler as the vice president too. So that was kind of their uh, little catchphrase there. They won the presidential election of 1840, but it was not all as fine and dandy as they would have hoped. This was kind of a disaster for them, actually, because it was from the beginning just a disaster. You had William Henry Harrison who became ill. So a lot of people debate why he became ill. But one of the things that people have said was, he did not want to wear a jacket during his inaugural address. So he would he would not wear an overcoat. He wouldn't wear a hat, anything like that. He was like, nope, I got this. He gave over a two-hour inaugural address, which was like incredibly long and ridiculous. But uh, he ended up dying 30 days after being in office. So one of the kind of ironies in American history is that he had the longest inaugural address in American history and yet had the shortest presidency in American history. And those two things potentially could have been related because he might have caught pneumonia. That's what people think. Anyway, that's what historians think. Anyway, that's just kind of a piece of irony in there. But when Harrison died after, what, 31 days in office, then Vice President Tyler came in as president. And it was a disaster for the Whigs, went totally poorly for how they would have wanted. He he adopted policies that looked a lot more like Andrew Jackson's and the Democrats than what they wanted. They were like, what the heck, dude? You were one of the first members of our party. We put you in this, you know, high up position and you're going to govern like a Democrat when we our whole party is built on opposing them. Like, are you nuts? So he denied two charters for uh, the Bank of the United States. And if you don't know the Bank of the United States, that was kind of something that had gone back and forth that had caused several debates in the beginning of the history of the United States, but he vetoed two charters for another bank and pretty much his entire cabinet, everyone under him was like, nope, we're out of here. They resigned, the Whigs in Congress, they were like, you know what, this is ridiculous. They expelled him from the party. They were like, you're not a Whig anymore. You can't even call yourself a Whig. It's kind of like, you know, Republicans today call them, call, uh, you know, Democratic or like, liberal leaning uh, Republicans, they call them rhinos. This is kind of like the rhino of the time. So the crisis of this like administration, right, between William Henry Harrison and John Tyler, it kind of showed the fragility of this party because the really like, honestly, the only thing that they had going for them was that they all opposed the Democrats, but they didn't have any sort of like you know, they didn't really think for themselves. They didn't have their own policies. Their whole thing was just, we just oppose the Democrats as long as it's not a Democrat in office. 
And a lot of times that's what the Republican Party in today's day and age gets criticized for is they just um, all they're there to do is say no, 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 no to everything that the Democrats propose. But they don't even have their own ideas. That's been a big criticism of Republicans by other Republicans lately. And I just think it's interesting that we find these nuggets in American history where these kind of themes come back and it's like, okay, well, we have a party that doesn't like members of their own party, members of their own party kind of side with the other side. And then it, a lot of it comes down to that party just doesn't have anything that they stand for. They just have things that they stand against. And that's honestly how the Whig party kind of fell apart because after this election, there was two more Whig presidents, even though only one other one was elected, but I'll kind of get to that later. But it kind of just shows that when you don't really stand for something and you just oppose things, it doesn't get you very far. It doesn't get you in a place where you're going to be successful and you're going to do the right thing. You're going to do what your supporters want you to do because, again, the issue of slavery continued to uh, fester and grow. And this proved to be a big issue for the Whig party. And all of these things kind of just culminated together and really made the party uh, disappear by 1856. So they had a very short history lasting from, you know, 1839-ish to 1856. Like that is not a very long-lived party. Just a couple other things to mention is that the Whig Party really was based on a very diverse group of people. And one of the things that is interesting to note is that they are one of the first groups that were really, uh, they were united behind a lot of conspiracies and not just united behind them, but a lot of different groups that had different conspiracies about different people all kind of united together behind this party. And it was one of the first times in American history that we saw conspiracy theories and things like that end up leading people to unite behind party. And one of those things was anti-Masons. So I don't know if you've ever heard of like Freemasonry or things like that, but it was something that was very popular in early America. George Washington, Ben Franklin, people like that were all involved in Freemasonry. It was like this social club type thing. Well, people began thinking that a lot of their rituals and things were really weird and suspicious. And they eventually ended up like accusing some different people of murder um, and of the disappearance of somebody because long story short, there was this person who was about to publish a story about some of the weird rituals that the Freemasons did and, you know, the Masonic people did. And that person ended up going missing before their book could be published. They had just disappeared from the face of the earth. So they created this whole conspiracy theory about that. And then there were also anti-immigration people who thought that, uh, you know, new Catholics that were coming in were going to destroy the country and just a lot of crazy conspiracies and and we see different conspiracies too you know on the right and on the left nowadays and again it's just one of those themes that kind of started way back in the 1800s that we still see today is how conspiracy theories play a role in american politics so that's just about it for this segment so i hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about the Whig party i thought that a lot of the different aspects of it were pretty interesting so i thought i'd hop on and share it with you guys so that's really all for today. There wasn't a whole lot in the news. I hope you enjoyed that segment there, and I hope that I can see you guys back again 
next Thursday to talk about some more history with you. All right, on to the answer to the question of the day. Now, this is one of the more complex answers to the question of the day because I guess you could make an argument that it's three or four or three and a half. So we have William Henry Harrison, the guy who only served 31 days. So you have him. You have John Tyler, although he was like kicked out of the party for part of his, you know, administration. They were like, you know what? Nope, we're not having it. You can't affiliate with the Whig Party anymore. So kicked him out. Then you had Zachary Taylor, who only served for just under or just over a year, rather. And then Millard Fillmore, who finished out that term. He was the vice president of Zachary Taylor. So uh, honestly, if you said three or four I guess I would count both as right because technically Zachary Taylor, I mean, I, or sorry, uh, John Tyler, he was, but then he was unaffiliated. So I don't know. Three and a half is about what I would go with. But uh, uh, if you said three or four, congratulations. I'm going to say that you got that right. Alrighty. I hope you enjoyed this week's content. I know it was a little bit all over the place because I was on vacation. I'm experimenting with new upload times. So thank you. If you did stick with me, thank you for sticking with me. I do appreciate it. I had a great time Tuesday with my first talking to teens segment. I had a great time today talking about history and covering the news on Monday and Wednesday. So if you did enjoy all of that, I would appreciate if you share it with your friends. Again, subscribe to my channel. I'll see you guys back here next Monday. Regular upload schedule, everything like that. All will be well. I'll be back ready to upload for next week. No uh, crazy stuff. Maybe still experimenting with different upload times, but it should still be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just like normal. So now I'll just end with a real quick closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for another episode. I thank you for the words that you've given me, this platform that you've provided me with. Father, I just ask that you use the words that I speak to just resonate with these people and be a reflection of your word. Father, I just ask that if there's anything that's inconsistent with what you would want my listeners to hear, just let those words blow right past them. Father, if there's anything you want them to hear, let that go into them and change them. And I just ask that you be with us as we go through our day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for all the support this week. I really appreciate it. If you haven't gone back and listened to the other episodes from this week, I would highly recommend it. I think each episode this week is worth taking a listen to. And until I see you back here again next week, stay blessed.